All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be talking to Dr. James Bishop. Lots of gems, a whole ton of Bruce Lee, and a really big announcement. Let's get to it. And every day, I practice martial arts. <laughs> Dr. James Bishop, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Great to see you. So we actually have you in the studio, which is yes. amazing. Yeah. Uh, we did an episode, uh, I think, uh, late in our second season uh, over Zoom. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's great to actually have you here in New York and see you face to face. Um, for our audience members, for like the three of them who don't know who you are, uh, could you just introduce yourself really quickly, what you do, what you've done? Why are you here? So I'm James Bishop. I am a educational psychologist and psychotherapist. Uh, I also have a particular expertise in working with gifted people. And um, Bruce Lee is a subject, being a gifted person himself, that I've been fascinated with most of my life. And I've become somewhat of an expert on his philosophy and his writings and have written a few books on the subject. That's right, and uh, your most recent is Who Wrote the Tao, uh, mm -hmm. which uh, was the subject of our last conversation, mm -hmm. which is essentially the source book for the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, where Bruce Lee got all of those notes, all that inspiration from. And uh, how has the reception been to that book? It's been great, yeah. I've been very, very happy with the reception. Right. Um, it just recently, uh, in March, went into wide release. Nice. Of course, back in November, I released it in a limited edition hardcover. Right. Um, but um, but now it's in wide release and it's doing very well. I'm pretty yeah. pleased with it. Yeah, I think, and for people who don't have it, I definitely recommend getting it. It's essentially, uh, not only is it, is it's kind of like the official bibliography of the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, but the way it's laid out, it's a page for page mm -hmm. uh, reference. So it's not, it's not just like a list of all the sources. It's like you can go to page 10 of that book correlates with page 10 of Tao of Jeet Kune Do. So you can literally put the two side by side, see where each of those aphorisms or notes comes from, and then go and actually find those books yourself, which is really yeah, amazing. Yeah, so we, we probably need to do an explanation of what the book is. I yeah. think you, you kind of start, already did that, but um, uh, it is a reference for the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. I did considerable research and discovered that at least 85% of the contents of the Tao of Jeet Kune Do were not Bruce Lee's words. Right. Uh, it's actually probably more than that, but that's what I was able to find so mm -hmm. far. Um, and so I've created this, this companion book, so to speak, to the Tao of Jeet Kune Do that will give you all the sources to that material that I've discovered. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see, uh, I've, since I got your book, I've actually, I've bought some of the source books that Bruce Lee used mm -hmm. and it's really interesting to see, you know, what he read and then, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes he would just write those notes down straight as they are and sometimes he would adapt them a little bit, like, changing whatever the book's topic was to Jeet Kune Do or martial mm -hmm. arts or something like that and kind of put the two of them together. Was, were there any sources you found in there that surprised you, books that, <clears throat> that you saw that he had used or th things that kind of surprised you in terms of like, wow, I wouldn't, didn't realize this book would be a source uh, in the Tao of Jeet Kune Do? Um, not that I can think of. Um, I don't think there was anything that really shocked me because uh -huh. I was already aware that the problem was there. It's right. just a matter of finding the sources. Right, right. Um, yeah. 
No. Now, uh, uh, there was one book in there that was like like some ladies' fitness book that I thought was oh, kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that I was one. like, well, he really he really <laughs> read all sorts of stuff, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there was, there was, yeah, there was that. Um, there was one that I didn't put in there that I, I just couldn't confirm definitively that it came from that source, which was some good housekeeping branded book. Uh-huh. Um, and his talk about, uh, you know, instead of taking the elevator, taking the stairs, instead of, right. uh, you know, um, taking a, a car walk, uh, that that quotation I found about 50% matched up in this good housekeeping book, but uh-huh. without further matching, I just couldn't. Even, sure, couldn't, sure, yeah. sure. So obviously uh, you have a, a pretty daunting task of finding the sources for a, what's essentially a scrapbook of Bruce Lee's notes that came mm-hmm. from all sorts of different sources. Now, um, you know, unless you don't want to give away your methods. So how do you usually go about, do you just Google the passage and then try to find if Google matches this to some other source and then see, or <coughs> how, how, do you, how do you match these things without knowing what book it came from first? I don't want to, you know, I'm not concerned with giving away my methodology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a researcher by uh, profession in training and one of the things we do when we conduct studies and we publish our results is we describe our methodology very Mm -hmm. clearly right so that presumably you could go do the very same thing Uh, so my methodology is you know there's there's a couple probably four or five levels to it Um, but basically yeah that that's a the easiest thing to do is just to do a google search and see what shows up sure it's not the most um it doesn't yield the best results because most of the stuff that pops up is Bruce, Bruce Lee, Lee on stuff. the quotes. Right, right, exactly. Requoted Bruce Lee stuff. Um, what I do uh, with Google, particularly I go to the books, Google Books, mm-hmm. and then I, I uh, use, I customize it so that it only looks at books pre-1973. Ah, uh, Okay. Okay, right. so anything they have digitized pre-1973, and oh, then sense. I'll run a query on, you know, some words. That's how I've been able to find not only the source of the quotes, but then I've, I discover books that I didn't know that Bruce Lee owned. Right. right, right, because if it hits back on that book, I know, well, that was in his personal library. Sure, sure. Um, and then there's a, uh, a website called the Haiti Digital Trust, uh-huh. which is a repository of uh, digitized books. Um, so I have a, a university affiliation, so I'm able to get access to that. Wow. Uh, but then also, you know, I've done this this 20-year pursuit of the uh, of creating a list of the books in Bruce Lee's library. Right, right. Uh, and that's been the source, uh, the primary source for all of these things that I'm that I'm looking for. So I've been trying to acquire these books, and at this point, I've I probably have either physical or digitized, uh, well over half of the books that wow. Bruce Lee owned. Wow. Yeah. I was reading uh, over an email you sent me, mm-hmm. uh, uh, looking at some of the links, and um, right now the, the list of books that Bruce Lee owned is uh, a little bit past 2,000, am I correct? Like 2,275 <clears throat> well, is the current list that, that you guys have? That, that I have, mm-hmm. it, that's the current number on my list. Right. Uh, the how many books were actually in Bruce Lee's library? I don't think anyone knows. Right. Because I've heard so many variations on it. Uh, John often quoted twenty five hundred. 
Right. Over, he said over 2,500 books. Uh, Shannon, in one of her podcasts a few years back, said that she was in possession of 1,700 okay. books, which is considerably less than that 2,500. Sure, sure. Uh, in a, a letter of authenticity uh, signed by Taki Kimura for some book that they put up for auction, he, it was quoted as 10,000 books. Okay, that and sounds Bruce, like that, hyperbole. Yeah, that's hyperbole. <laughs> and I've and I've heard a few other numbers as well. Right. So I don't I'm not sure anybody knows how many. The Wing Luke Museum list had about nineteen hundred, a little over nineteen hundred in its list. Okay. Um, yeah. Do you, I mean, I know that a number of his books are in various collections. The Hong Kong Heritage Museum has mm-hmm. like, because I've been there multiple times, they have, they have a wall that has a bunch of Bruce's books there. Oh. And uh, yeah, it's difficult because uh, they don't let you take photos in there. I was about to say, yeah. the next time you're in yeah. Hong Kong, <laughs> but, you uh, some photos. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that the, um, I think the, the exhibit is still going on. It was supposed to only be for five years, but I think they keep extending it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to go back to Hong Kong in August. And if the, uh, if the exhibit is open, uh, screw it. I'm taking photos when no one's looking. Mm-hmm. The first time I went there, one of my students, knowing because they're watching you like a hawk when you're in there. Uh, I, the one, one of my students snuck a photo. They had the claw that um, Shek Kin had in, in Enter the Dragon, the, mm-hmm. the Han claw. And it was behind a glass case. We were all staring at it, and he snuck a photo of it. Uh, when we saw Bruce's books, uh, I wanted to take a photo of it, but there was an employee right there just watching me like a hawk. And my student actually wrote down on a piece of paper a number of those titles, um, which I have somewhere. But he only wrote down about 10 of them. Um, and so I um, now that you know I've gotten in contact with you and there's this whole library project, I don't know if any of those books on there are not books that you don't already know. I think those are probably the standard books that people have heard of. I don't know if there's anything on there that's like secret. Um, And I also, to be totally fair, don't know how accurate everything in there is. They have a really great museum, and this is not to throw any shade at the Hong Kong Heritage Museum, but you as someone who's been around the Bruce Lee world for a while, know that there's some, there's always a little bit of misinformation when it comes to Bruce Lee. Uh, sometimes people sell stuff that might not be entirely accurate. There's a wooden yeah. dummy in there that they say is Bruce Lee's wooden dummy. And as a Wing Chun nerd, I know exactly what all of Bruce Lee's wooden dummies looked like. And this one doesn't look like any of the ones I've ever seen him with. So is it really Bruce Lee's dummy or are they just saying that, right? So um, I will, to help you out, when I go in August, I, if the exhibit's still open, I, I will totally take pictures of that wall there and I'll send it to you. And okay. we'll see if anything there is uh, not already on the current list. Even the Wing Luke Museum, when you go there, you see these stacks of books. I don't know if you've been there yet. Have I have you? not. I have not been there. Okay. Yeah. So you see these stacks of books lined up on the floor. That's mm-hmm. supposedly Bruce Lee's books. Mm-hmm. And they appear to have either glued or sewn them together to create structures. Like a display. Like a display. Uh, There's no way those are Bruce's No, books. they wouldn't have done that with They Bruce's would not books. have done yeah, that with course, Bruce's books. Of course, so once of course. you see that, you realize, okay. Right, right. They went out and they found copies. Sure. And they created this this little piece of decoration. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I also can imagine, uh, didn't, didn't Linda sell a bunch of Bruce Lee stuff in the early 90s, that, that famous first catalog? Like, I mean, uh, yes. I don't know if there were books on that. I know it like has jackets and personal effects and stuff I like don't that. Know, I don't know they sold many books. Uh, I don't recall them selling books. But right. interesting, during that auction, 
Jeff Chin, you know who Jeff Chin yes, is, Yes, right? of course, yes. yes. Famous Bruce Lee collector. Yeah. Uh, he bought the the suit from Enter the Dragon, the gung-fu yes, suit from Enter the Dragon. Yes, I've heard about this. And he told me one time he was upset after he bought it because he was under the impression he had bought the only suit. But apparently he was not the only uh, recipient of a Bruce Lee Enter the Dragon gung-fu uniform. Right, right. So. Yeah, I've, I've heard similar stories like that, uh, not just directly related to Bruce Lee, but I've heard that Bob Wall sold his uniform from Enter the Dragon multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sucker born every minute. There's a sucker right? born every minute, yes, yes. Uh, wow, that's super interesting. So now, um, one of the reasons why you're here, one of the reasons why uh, we got back in contact was you've created an online resource mm -hmm. for... Bruce Lee's library, essentially a digital bibliography or library of mm -hmm. the, the books that Bruce Lee had. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, like I said before, you know, I've been researching what books Bruce Lee owned for well over 20 years. Uh, and I published uh, about 400 of those titles wow. on my first list in 2004 in my book, Bruce Lee Dynamic Becoming. And then sometime after that, Marcos Ocaña, who had helped me with the list, uh, continued to work on it. And he published a list of a little over 700 in Bruce Lee Mania magazine, European Bruce Lee Club's magazine. Right. I think around 2015. Okay. Uh, and then last year, as I decided I'd had enough of the erroneous Bruce Lee quotes on the Internet, okay. I went back to the list and I added more. I got it up to about 1,200 or so, uh, and then continued adding more. And then when Wing Luke's, the Wing Luke Museum's list, and they're the permanent, you know, they're the permanent holders of Bruce Lee's library at this point. Shannon okay. gave that to them. Okay. Um, they released their list, which is about 1900 something. And so I took that list and, and added whatever was not already on my list. Right. So I think it was about 850 books that ended up not being on my list. And I also had to validate all of those books and determine whether they really were in Bruce Lee's collection because some of the books listed there uh, I had to eliminate for a variety of reasons. Interesting. What, you know, one of the books was published in 2000. Uh-huh. You know, uh, several of the others were published after his death. Oh, interesting. So, so they were just straight-up mistakes like that yeah, on the list. Yeah, you know, the, the Lee family obviously had received those books at some point after his death and mm -hmm. just kind of got shoved in with the oh, rest right. of them. And, okay. You know, um, but, you know, I didn't just simply take the list without validating. I right. validated all of those books on that list. Right. Uh, and there were, there were probably uh, eight or nine that I, I simply could not find, so I could not include on my mm. list. So even though they're listed there and they probably existed, I could not find any trace on the Internet or on any library catalog anywhere of eight or nine of these books. Wow. So for the time being, they're not on my list. Okay. I, don't, I don't consider them, you know, a certain thing. Right, right. There's that famous photo or series of photos of Bruce Lee kind of sitting in front of what purports to be his library, mm -hmm. looking at like the... the that source book for Chinese philosophy, most famously he's holding that book. Uh, was that actually... Wing Sit Chan, yeah. That was actually one of my textbooks uh, when I was an undergrad studying, uh -huh. studying Eastern Asian philosophy. Right. It was a famous book. I remember seeing that around in the libraries when, mm -hmm. when I was a teenager. Is that photo actually at Bruce Lee's house? Is that actually mm -hmm. his personal library? So yeah. I assume 
at some point you've you've taken a version of that photograph and tried to blow it up and actually physically look at the books on a yes, shelf. Yes, yeah, that's uh-huh. that's the way I started by uh-huh. taking those photographs and and there's there's a few photographs in front of his library, taking those photographs, blowing them up, mm-hmm. uh, and identifying books, book titles. Wow, uh, you know, from the from the spine of the book, and then going and searching for books that would have been in existence around the time of Bruce Lee's life, right, uh, or prior to it. Uh, that matched that title. Yeah, interesting, yeah. interesting. Um, so uh, now you have this digital library. On um, it's it's in you have it in a few different. There's a few different ways you can view the information there by right. by, by subject, but you can just look at them straight through, like the list, more or less alphabetical order. Uh, I started kind of going through all all of them, and uh, on some of the uh, listings, you also have some additional video like corresponding mm-hmm. video. Can you explain a little bit okay. about um, what that's about? Sure. So this is the big announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, for years now, I've kept this list that I've had private, uh, but I've decided to make it public, and I can't do things half-ass. Right. Right? i got to go all the way. Right. So I've created this website, uh, which is a giant repository of my list, but it's not just a list. It's information about the books. It's the image of the book. Uh, it's publication dates. I publication saw publication dates. Yeah. Everything you'd you'd probably want to know about the book. I will include videos, right? Uh, mixed media type of uh, you know opportunities to go deeper into the book and talk about their influence on Bruce Lee, yeah. and maybe their greater value uh, on their subject. Right. So, uh, yeah, I saw one uh, one link there was uh, you know Bruce had a number of books on Japanese swordsmanship, mm-hmm. samurai. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think eight eight or so books or something like that that you guys have found so far. And then, yeah, there was like a great corresponding video where it talked about even in his early Seattle years he liked to go and watch those samurai movies, which I remember reading about in Jesse mm-hmm. Glover's books. And I think that's an interesting fact for a lot of uh, people who are Bruce Lee fans because they might assume after watching something like Fist of Fury that Bruce Lee was like uh, like a t- totally anti-Japanese martial arts or like, you know, was someone only about Chinese martial arts. And it seems that he had a, a pretty decent respect for uh, Japanese sword art, samurai philosophy. And it was kind of cool. You had that little video in there where it showed that that was something he was interested in. Have, um, that was the only one I saw. Have you done, uh, what are some of the examples of some of the other little videos that you might have done? For that was the other? first one I've done. Okay. I haven't done any more yet. All right. Right. Yeah. So this, you know, I'm announcing this, this website to the world here in this podcast. Amazing. Amazing. So, uh, we will, we will have it, the link for that in the description below as well. And I'm, I'm sure we'll put it up on the screen yeah. too. Yeah. Um, but it's, a, it's something that's going to grow. You know, so I will add more. I will record more videos. Uh, in some of the entries, I even have the books themselves right. in PDF form. If so they're past their copyrights time, right? If, if copyright allows, mm-hmm. and, I ha- and I've been able to locate a digitized copy, or, or I've made a digitized copy, uh, then I'll make it available. And you know, people can, can peruse the book in its entirety. Right. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. You know, this is a really, really fantastic project. I think this is, this is the co- good side of the internet at work mm-hmm. here when you can create these, you know, kind of libraries <laughs> where, you know, Bruce Lee fans 30, 40 years ago, it just would have been nearly impossible to find this information. and It would have been just guesswork at best. And now you have this great site where you can go there, you can look at all this stuff. And uh, I think the, the best thing about your projects, both this online project and the, the um, who wrote the Tao, 
is the ability to go and read the same books that Bruce Lee read, you yes. know, because then you, you, it's very instructive when you you want to know about a man, you read the books that person read, right? It's like very instructive in terms of uh, uh, kind of forming his thought and, and philosophy. And that's my hope that people will do that. But I also recognize that some Bruce Lee fans, some J, JKD practitioners, you know, they don't want to look any further than Bruce Lee. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. It's because uh, he he's someone I think that he was was very open minded in terms of forming his philosophy and finding new and better ways of doing things. And from my observation, I'm not a JKD guy, so anytime mm -hmm. I say anything about JKD, it might come off like a criticism. But it's more just an outsider's take. It's like I think that uh, that spark that he had about innovation and about constantly improving and all that I think some of some of his adherents don't have that same spark they just have this kind of church of Bruce Lee kind yes. of way of looking at things and stopping with uh, starting and stopping with where he ended I have been asked a few times why there's so much uh, conflict in the, in the JKD world yes and why the adherence to Bruce's martial art seem to be different than other martial artists. And one of the things that I say is it's the only martial art, the only martial art where you could get an action figure of the founder. <laughs> That's true. And a, right? bobble, a bobblehead as well. And a bobblehead, <laughs> you know, and a poster. Right. right you know, right, so right. It, it attracts people for a different reason than yes. maybe Brazilian jiu-jitsu might yes. attract someone. Right. That's a very good point. Yeah. The, only, the only martial art of which there's an action figure of the founder. Yeah. That's, yeah. There's no, I haven't, I've yet to come across a Masoyama action figure, although I'm sure some fan has made one. But yes, you're totally right. Like. Uh, there is a pop culture aspect to Bruce Lee for sure, yes. and I think that has also been one of the big barriers in terms of people understanding his his martial arts philosophy, which was quite detached from mm -hmm. his film presentation of himself. Hey everyone, just want to let you know Wing Chun Illustrated is now offering a paperback edition through Amazon, reaching a larger global market. And no, they're not ditching the glossy magazine edition through MagCloud. You can now simply choose the version of this magazine you prefer and the one with the cheapest shipping wherever you live. Order your copy of Wing Chun Illustrated today across 12 Amazon marketplaces with free shipping for Prime members. Go and check that out. Yeah, so uh, you also, of, of course, because we're talking a little bit about the reaction to, to some of your work. Obviously, some JKD people uh, got a little upset that, you know, you, you put out a book basically saying, uh, this is where Bruce Lee got all this stuff from in the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, because even though I think most of the hardcore, like, real Bruce Lee fans or practitioners or whatever, they understand Tao of Jeet Kune Do was published posthumously. It's a collection of his notes. It's a bit scattershot in terms of how it was originally put together. It's just like a bunch of his stuff piled into a book, and here you go. This is the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, which is a weird name for me as a Chinese nerd because Tao and Do are the same word in Chinese, <laughs> like <laughs> just in two different dialects of Chinese. And I, I didn't come to this realization until I was in Hong Kong and I saw a copy of Tao of Jeet Kune Do in Chinese, and I, I read the Chinese title, <laughs> and I was like, well, that's very redundant in Chinese. It's jit kun do ji do. You have the word do in the sentence twice, and it just sounds, it's funny, but like in America, it's the Tao of jit kun do. It's really the same character done twice. Well, um, it's interesting that you bring that up because in my studies last year, one of the things I came across 
was a passage in a, in a Japanese book on Zen and art um, that speaks about the dough in such a way from a Japanese perspective uh, that I think that's where Bruce got the inspiration for adding D-O, dough, right, to, right. to the end of it. Yes. It's, also the, it's also the place clearly where Bruce got the idea for his uh, development structure, you know, the, the colored yin-yangs, and you get all the Re- way back Returning to, back to, to white. white. Yeah. Yes, and uh-huh. it's described in there in the same way, but it's also, it's, uh, it also talks about dough in such a way that I think Bruce added dough after reading. Yeah, that yeah, passage. that's really interesting. Also, um, and it would also explain why he chose the, the sort of Japanese way of. Yeah, of it's interesting because um, yeah, because that actually brings up a very interesting topic. Actually, Jesse Glover had not <coughs> not not to throw any shade. I'm a huge Jesse Glover fan, but he had once made a small error when he talked about the naming of Jeet Kune Do. Because then he said, and then Bruce Lee used the Japanese word Do at the end. But do meaning way mm-hmm. is pronounced do in Cantonese as well as in Japanese. So mm-hmm. oddly enough, that term has a very similar pronunciation in both Cantonese and Japanese. Mm-hmm. And some people think that he took that do from Japanese, but actually do is Cantonese. But but it's a spelling. Uh, well, the um, yeah, I mean, how you spell Cantonese is is up to debate because there's no standard phonetization of Cantonese the yeah. way there is with Mandarin. Um, in Mandarin, it's tao. In Cantonese, do, and in I think in Japanese it's do, but with a slightly different tone. But it's it's both some type of do. Mm-hmm. But uh, even though the the Cantonese word for way sounds almost identical to the Japanese word, the convention of putting do at the end of a martial arts style is not Chinese at all. Mm-hmm. So it, that is really interesting because you have obviously Taekwondo, you have Tang Su, you have many styles that have that do at the end. None of them are Chinese. So it is interesting that although, yeah, he is using a Cantonese pronunciation, but the whole idea of putting Do at the end of a style's name is not Chinese at all. The, the Chinese, uh, when they name styles, they usually only use two conventions, although, although there are exceptions. It's either Kun, fist, mm-hmm. just denoting this is a fist fight, like Wing Chun is technically a name of a lady, mm-hmm. but you say Wing Chun Kun. Okay, this is the Wing Chun fist style, right? So they either use Kun at the end, like Xiu Lam Kun, Shaolin fist, uh, or they will use Pai. Pai meaning like family, uh, it means like sect, which sounds like cult, which is a pretty accurate description of most Chinese martial arts schools. Um, but so they're, they're either Kun or Pai, but you never have a Chinese style, an authentic Chinese style that has Do at the end. Like that is very, very Japanese. So. Clearly, there was Japanese influence in the naming of the style because that is yeah. not a Chinese convention at all. I'm going to send you that evidence see for, right. to see for yourself. Awesome, awesome. See if you come to, to see come to the same conclusion. Yeah, I would love I to see that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so some JKD people, to come back to my prior point, are, you know, although most people know, hey, this book was published after he passed away, this mm-hmm. collection of notes, yada, yada, yada. But there were some... People who are salty with you, like, yo, why, why are you saying that he got this stuff from other people? But, but it's like, but everyone kind of knew that already. <laughs> but still, you, did you get, you got a little bit of backlash from people. Yes, not so much from the JKD people, mm-hmm. uh, more so from the Bruce Lee fans, the yeah. non-JKD Bruce Lee fans. Yeah, they're the worst. <laughs> that, yeah, that took offense. Yes, uh, yes. You know, to any suggestion that Bruce was not the originator of race. Right. Various statements. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and the simple truth of the matter is most everything that you've heard quoted as Bruce Lee is not Bruce Lee. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, the, the, you make a very important distinction there. I think the, the Jeet Kune Do practitioners, the real, the real actual honest hardcore Bruce Lee fans knew this wasn't anything new. It, like for me, it was interesting just to know what those books were. Not that that, that mm-hmm. those notes came from other people. Everyone knew that already. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, it's cool to see where it came from. But yeah, there's like this fanboy group mm-hmm. that like are really into Bruce Lee as some indestructible god of martial arts, but actually don't really know anything about Bruce Lee. And those were the guys who commented on our episode that we did, like, why is this guy saying all this stuff, right? And those are the same guys who have... Another another person trying to get rich off of Bruce Lee. Yeah, exactly. Trust me. (laughs) These books don't make anyone rich. Except except the Lee estate. Exactly. Uh, Same thing with my drug letters video when I posted about the drug letters. Like, the number of people like, oh, just some white guy making money off of Bruce Lee. It's like, okay, the drug letters video is the biggest video on this YouTube channel. It's been up for almost two years. My YouTube revenue on that video is the most of any other YouTube video, all right? But mind you, this is over two years. Mm-hmm. That video's made me $400 over two years, <laughs> okay? $400 over two years, and that is my banger video on this channel, all right? Mm-hmm. So anyone who thinks that I'm putting my kids through school on you know, the Bruce Lee drug letters video is sorely mistaken. Right. But yeah, it, there's like, the pushback I always find is not from the honest, like Bruce, like hardcore Bruce Lee fans. It's mm-hmm. it's like from this weird, beardy listening uh, Bruce Lee fan base on there that they mm-hmm. just they are they love Bruce Lee the way a child loves their parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, their parents can do no wrong because they're not old enough yet to appreciate this person as an adult. They only appreciate it as like a child looking up at an adult right. rather than peer to peer. And uh, as an adult, you can appreciate Bruce Lee's tremendous gifts and talents and what he did and what he was able to do in that time period, but also see, yeah, he was also a human being with flaws and there are also some things that are maybe not that great about him, like every human being. Right. And it's just, there's a, there's a certain level of fandom that will not pierce that looking at him like an adult. No, and they, they stay right under. Right? And, and they get angry when you reveal anything that tarnishes their glorified image of him. Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. And you have also gotten some additional uh, controversy, I suppose, on your book as well. Someone, uh, someone claiming that uh, it was their idea, the whole, who, who wrote the Dow Man? Is, is, do I have that correct? Yeah, so there's, there's this guy down in Florida named Joseph Powell. He's, uh, oh, this guy always got to be Florida. I don't know if, he, I don't know <laughs> okay. if he's originally from Florida, but yeah, Florida man, Joseph Powell. <laughs> Florida man. <clears throat> it's come to my attention that he's been going around telling, reaching out to people that I know uh-huh. and telling them that I somehow stole his manuscript. Apparently, this guy had had written some kind of manuscript back in 1991. This is okay. the details I'm getting from the people that he's called, uh, where he had done some research and discovered the sources of the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. Uh-huh. And I guess he never published the manuscript, but he's convinced because I published my findings that the only way I could have done that was by stealing his work. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I've never met the man. Uh-huh. I don't know him. Even more strange he's claiming he's telling people that he thinks his ex-wife somehow uh, gave me a copy of the, the old ex-wife ploy <laughs> now i don't know him i don't know his ex-wife uh-huh. though to be perfectly honest i figure she's much happier now that she's his ex-wife <laughs> uh, 
but I've never seen any kind of manuscript. Right. Uh, and I've never heard of this guy until last December when he appeared on Dwight Woods' podcast. Oh, he was on Dwight's podcast. And I got to check that out. Yeah. And at the time, I, I messaged Dwight. I said, wow, why didn't you ever tell me about this guy? Uh, I passed my information along, the contact information along through uh-huh. Dwight. I said, have this guy reach out to me. Right. You know, we, we, can, we can be talking. Yes. Uh, he never reached out to me, never talked to me, uh-huh. um, but he's been going around to people that I know, people like Mahapal Lunia, uh, which, by the way, you should have on your podcast. Who is that again? Mahapal Lunia is a hoplologist. A what? A hoplologist. That, well, that is the technical term for someone who studies martial arts. Oh, okay. Like, like, and, I, I'm not, and I'm not talking about just study in the sense that we traditionally study. Like in an academic way. In an academic Uh way. And he has gone all over the world documenting some of the rarest martial arts. Wow. Uh, And he he has a a charitable organization that he's he's got behind him that he's doing this with. Uh, He's a very interesting person. I think he'd make a wonderful guest for you. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, you have to pass his information to me. That's the kind of stuff I geek Uh, out about. So he contacted Mahapal, and he contacted, I know, at at the very least, Chris Kent as well. Because they both reached out to me to tell me what this man was saying. Interesting. Wow. Um, So I don't, you know, it just buggers the mind. But but did did he publish his manuscript at any point? To my knowledge, he did not. So so somehow you knew about this only because his ex-wife supposedly passed it along to me, you know, and and then you got this idea to do all this work and research that he still had not yet done, I suppose. Right, right. (laughs) I've been making fun of it. You know, at first I was pissed off. Yes. Uh, You know, as, as you might expect, because this guy was going around to my friends and colleagues You're right. and bad-mouthing me. He's yes. never even met me. He's never right. spoken to me. Yeah, it's frustrating. But he also has this arrogance, this silly arrogance to believe that only he is capable of doing this research. Right. Or even coming up with the idea. I mean, right. how many people probably thought, hey, it'd be great to actually know where all of these books came from, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure so many people had that idea, but it's a matter of whether someone's actually yeah. going to do the work, right? Well, the fact is, I'm not the only one, and he's not the only one who's done the work. Sure. Sure. Uh, Marco Sacagna from Spain, yes. Bruce Lee historian, he told me when I set out to do this that he had found about 85% of the contents of the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. No kidding. And lo and behold, when I ran out, you know, I reached the point I wasn't finding anymore, it was right at 85%. Wow. You wow. Know? So that's like the wall right now. And Chris Kent told me that he had found most of it himself. And he said, I've got it annotated in my copy of the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. Uh-huh. Interesting. Uh, so, you know, Joseph Powell in his, in his sort of arrogance thinks that he's the only one on this planet who's capable of finding this stuff. Right, 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 right. And he's not. It's yeah. very simple to find it, actually. Sure. Well, it's always good when you get haters. That means you're doing something. I mean, if you weren't doing anything that people were taking notice mm-hmm. of, there would be no one to, you know, raise up their hand and squawk about it. So I suppose mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a good sign. But, I, but I, I have fun with it. You know, I've... I've yeah, you posted po- some funny videos, kind of. <laughs> funny video, funny memes. Right, right. Uh, You know, one of the memes, you know, I'm sitting there with a stack of books, you know, like piles and piles, like four or 500 books. Um, you know, and the meme says, you know, if I have this magical unpublished manuscript with all the answers, why am I buying all these damn books? Right, 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 right. Right? And I've spent, you know, I bought over 400 books. Wow. Uh, since I started this last year. 
Incredible. Uh, in pursuit of this information. Wow. And, wow. and these books that I bought were hard to find. A lot of them were boxing books, boxing and fencing books. You know, some of the philosophy books were easier because they were more likely to be digitized somewhere and not right. be able or to find Or maybe even still in prints because they're more relevant. Yes, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but the boxing and fencing books, a lot of them were rare. They, they weren't digitized in any way. Right. And so I had to spend a lot of money on yeah. them uh, and order them from all over the world. Right. You know, right. I ordered from, of course, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, you know, wherever I can find them. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes I spend all that money, get the book, and there's nothing in it. No kidding. I, I Bruce Lee owned it, but he didn't take anything out of it. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, it was just one of one of the many books on his show. One of the yeah, many books. Yeah. So I, I had a few duds. Uh huh. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Wow. Um, great. So you have another project, from what I understand, that you a peer reviewed project that you're working on yeah. right now. Can you talk a little bit about this? So I'm an a academic by training and profession. Um, I'm doing a, an, a an academic paper right now on. Uh, the misattributions related to Bruce Lee, but more specifically, the direct plagiarisms mm -hmm. of Bruce Lee. Okay. And this is one of those things that we talked about that really pisses the, the fanboys off. Sure, sure. Okay. I didn't set out to find these things, but when I set out last year to look for uh, evidence that these quotes are not Bruce Lee's, I found cases where stuff that he did either publish mm -hmm. or share with people Things like uh, uh, his college essays, his letters to people, and his published works. His self-published book. He published a Gung Fu pamphlet during his Green Hornet days. Oh, really? Yes, I he did. Liberate Yourself from Classical Karate. Yeah. Even the script contributions he made to Enter the Dragon, I found, were plagiarized. Wow. What, from and Dr. No? <laughs> <laughs> No, that's, yeah, you could say that. The, the whole story was was plagiarized from Doctor No, but he, the the specific contributions he made to the script uh, were direct verbatim plagiarisms wow. from other sources. Wow, wow. Uh, so Bruce Lee himself, uh, widespread plagiarism throughout his life, from okay. the from the time he set foot in the U.S. to the the months before he died. Right. I found evidence, and so I've been saving that. Uh, because I think the audience for that is is academia. Yes. So yeah. I'm well, certainly not as fanboys. <laughs> not as fanboys. No. So I'm I'm working on an academic paper on that right now, and okay. I've, I've narrowed the where I will submit that paper to to three possible uh, journals. Okay. Uh, the Journal of Pop Culture, uh, the Journal of American Culture, and um, Literary American History are the three that I've. I've kind of looked at to see that maybe they're the best right. places for that. So I'll end up, I'll end up submitting it to one of those. Okay. Uh, in the peer review process, do you send those blind so they don't know who yes. you are? Yeah. Okay. It's a blind peer review, so uh -huh. they don't know who the author is. Right. Right. So they 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 review the paper on its merits, you know, mm -hmm. on its academic methods, on its right. methods, its academic rigor. Right. Um, and then make a decision to publish or not. 
Interesting, yeah. Hey, Kung Fu Genius fans. If you like what we do here, please consider supporting us on Patreon. For as little as five bucks a month, you'll get early access to episodes and other goodies not posted on the Kung Fu Genius channel. With higher levels of support, you can get your name in the description, a live chat with me, or at the baller level, you even get your own personal KFG episode with me as my guest. The link to our Patreon page is in the description of this episode below. Patreons have a direct link to chat with me and get first dibs on any questions questions for Ask Me Anything episodes. Click on the link in the description for our Patreon page for more information, and I'll see you on Patreon. So now uh, there's, there's kind of two sides to that. So you talk about, okay, uh, in the various articles, letters, notes, mm -hmm. uh, film scripts that Bruce have directly plagiarized some other ideas. But then there's also this um, Bruce Lee quote, uh, quote factories where they just put some quote put it on a photo of Bruce Lee and post it as a meme. And a lot of those are misattributed quotes that I, I think many of them are not even ones from his notes. They're just like, they take a Napoleon Hill quote and just slap it on there and say Bruce Lee. Well, and then there's just straight up whole cloth stuff like Bruce Lee once said, don't talk bad about yourself. And then like, mm -hmm. this is, well, it's like, where did he ever say this kind of stuff, right? Well, there, there are the quotes that, like I said, Bruce Lee himself plagiarized. There are things that uh, the estate has released that were his notes, mm -hmm. um, which he had no control over. Right. You know, so that's the estate's fault. Still plagiarism. Right. Um, it's just secondhand plagiarism. Right. Uh, but there's also this phenomenon where the internet is now giving him credit for things. Yes. Nothing that the estate has given right. him credit for. Right. Nothing that he took credit for. Yeah. But it's like brand its own machine. It's, yeah. it's creating its own Bruce Lee quotes. Right, right. Although I, I, I have seen a few of those extremely questionable quotes coming directly from the official Bruce Lee estate page as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I don't know who's, I don't know who's running it. Their social media. Uh, I'm going to assume it's someone who's not always, uh, not someone who grew up or knew Bruce Lee personally, because they, they even put some stuff like a photo of Bruce Lee with uh, Raymond Chow and Nancy Kwan. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, uh, Ray Raymond Chow visiting Bruce and Nancy on the set of The Wrecking Crew. And it's like, B Bruce didn't meet Raymond Chow no. until after that film in Hong Kong. Yeah, uh, Nancy Kwan lived in Hong Kong for a short time a little bit later, and that's why she was over there, most likely on some Golden Harvest set. But that's the official Lee estate saying, like, mm -hmm. Raymond Chow was on the set of The Wrecking Crew, something that is verifiably false. And they post that. And of course, I always have the comment like, um, "No, this could not have been on the set of the Wrecking Crew." And then, oh, you but, do that too. Yeah, I do that all the time, and so then I, I just get a bunch of hate from a look, bunch of. What do you know, stupid white guy? <laughs> you look, look when you're doing that. Look for me when okay. they put a quote up there. I will yeah. often correct the quote in the comment section. <laughs> right. so I'm kind of trolling them yeah. a little bit. Uh, this is Dale Pol Carnegie. <laughs> politely quote, yeah, right. and I, not only will I say this is the exact quote. Here it is in this book on this page. Yes, yes, you know, uh, and. There actually people have begun looking for me to make these corrections. Yeah, they'll at you when one of these things comes <laughs> up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, you know, and I don't do it mean spiritedly. No, I do no, it to no, correct no. The, the truth. Yeah, there was one that they. It was a brand new Bruce Lee quote uh -huh. last year that they something, put out. Something he just said recently. <laughs> well, that had not been. Released before, so yeah. they obviously took it from his notes and put it out, and it had not been published anything else, uh -huh. uh, but they put it on social media. Uh -huh. And I was, someone brought this to my attention, 
And man, let me tell you, it was as simple as running this through Google. Yes, it often is. All you had to do was take that exact quote, put it in Google, and you'd see the actual author of this quote, but they weren't willing to do that due diligence. Right. right. And I don't think it, you know, I don't want to get too critical with, uh, you know, Bruce Lee Enterprises. Right. And the people in control there, but I don't think they're motivated to make these sort of corrections. Right. To make sure that the stuff they're putting out is accurate. Because they know the Bruce Lee fans really don't care. Yeah. They just they just want their belief in Bruce as the Godhead to be reaffirmed. Right. And it's so painful looking at the comments when they post these quotes. All these people saying, oh, he's the wisest man who ever lived. He was greater than Plato. <laughs> just the over-exuberance yes, of, yes. Of, of fandom yes, yes. Uh, for these things. And it's just painful. Yeah, it's painful. unfortunate. Again, it comes back to that whole, like, that piercing the adult veil of looking at someone. Mm-hmm. It's like you can legitimately respect people's achievements and contributions yeah. and the things that they did without having to turn them into something that they were not. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's been the biggest takeaway for me as I've been a Bruce Lee fan since I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. If the 15-year-old version of me was sitting here right now listening to you would be very angry. Be like, what do you mean he plagiarized stuff, right? And I would just, I wouldn't want to hear it. I would just probably storm out of the room and, uh, you know, I don't want to listen to this guy. And uh, because I had not yet at that time transitioned into realizing, like, that Bruce Lee was, like, a normal guy like everyone else who was extraordinary in a number of different categories mm-hmm. and but also had certain flaws and stuff, as we all do. And if you really yes. want to understand the man, you have to you have to take all sides of it. You cannot just decide you're going to ignore something um, because it doesn't confirm to a narrative you have in your head about him being perfect. I think what makes him great is that despite his faults, he still achieved so much in 32 years. Yes. That's actually what makes him great. Uh, people without any of these faults have achieved far, far less in far more time. So, I mean, he's still an extraordinary individual regardless. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really it's a difficult pill for people to take any kind of um, pushback on narrative as, you know, not, is, you're not trying to defame him. You're just trying to let people know, you know, no, what's if you going take, on. No, if you take Bruce Lee, if you accept Bruce Lee as a field of study, right, and most of the fandom take this view, you know, Bruce is worthy of study. yes then you have to do it with a certain level of objectivity, meaning that if you dig in and you discover things that, you know, aren't what you want to see right. or want to hear, you still have to make them known. Yes, yes. Uh, and, you know, good or bad, right. you, at least from my perspective as a, as, a, as a researcher, you publish your findings. Yes. Now, a lot of people, we talked about how other people had done this research, like I did for my book, Who Wrote the Tao. Right. One thing I noticed about fans, they often do, is that they will have information or they will have you know, things like special photos and stuff like that, that they squirrel away and they, they don't want to share. Yes. Right? Because... If they do, then it's no longer just theirs. It's a sort of this like Lord of the Rings Gollum type of thing. My precious. <laughs> My precious. Um, and um, that does the world no favors. Yeah. You know, right. I, I, I don't have that viewpoint. You know, I could sit on all of this uh, and just let the world know that I have it. Right. But you're not going to see it. 
Yeah. But that doesn't progress knowledge. Sure, sure. So I have to make it public. Yeah, that makes a yeah. lot of sense. Um, interesting. So uh, now you have this, uh, this entire online project coming to your head. Obviously, you said that this is going to be kind of a work in progress. As you get more, you're going mm -hmm. to, to get in there. So I think what everyone watching this really wants to know is original JKD or JKD concepts. <laughs> I know we talked about this a little bit the last time, but uh, I can use this as a great clickbait soundbite to go mm -hmm. like, all right, so right now, can you just solve the whole controversy just like in a few sentences? <laughs> no, I, I, can't, I can't solve the whole controversy. This is one of those subjects that will never be resolved. Yes. Uh, because it's, it's like conservatism and liberalism, right. you know, they're in constant conflict with each other and, yes. and it's ultimately unresolvable. Right. But I do have an opinion on the right. subject. Um, right. As for myself, uh, you know, I haven't practiced martial arts in 20 years. I kind of walked away from it to work on my education and things like that. Um, but before that, uh, I was in Shotokan and then in JKD for the last two years before I retired from martial arts. But it was a concept school. So we learned Concept Way, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you know, Kali, those kinds of things, right. in addition to the curriculum. Uh, but I believe that Bruce would have continued to evolve. Uh, I have no doubt of that. But that JKD was so personal to Bruce Lee that once he died, that JKD itself became fixed. And I know they don't like to hear that because, it, you know, Bruce Lee's preaching about JKD was all about it not being fixed. Yes. But the fact of the matter is only Bruce decided what was JKD. Right. And he's no longer here. And he even said himself, I, would, I continue evolving until the ca casket lid is closed. Yes. Right? Well, he's admitting that his evolution ceased at that point. Right. I think so does JKD. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that your personal evolution can't continue beyond that. Right. But I have an issue with calling things JKD that Bruce Lee did not advocate in his lifetime. Right. Right. right? And it's a slippery slope because if you look at it as JKD is just a concept and anything can be JKD, well, we see, you know, yep. you... you get on the internet you see these fraudsters out there yes. who you know have no real training but they're out there making videos and claiming they know what jkd is and right. and they're you know hiding under the umbrella of this concept approach yes, yes and my my point always is you can and you should grow beyond jkd that's what bruce wanted yes okay but you leave it behind and I use Bruce as an example of that. You know, when Bruce came to America, he didn't call what he was doing Wing Chun. That's he called right. it the John Fon Gung Fu method. Right. Right? He gave it a different name, and he found that liberating. And then when his students went off and started to teach, people like Jesse Glover and uh, James DeMille, yeah. he expected them to change the name of it too. So they went off and... You know, yeah. Jesse was non-classical gung fu, and James Tamile was Wing Chun Wing Do. Chun Do, right? Right, right. and um, they honored Bruce by not 
using the name yes. and doing something different. Right. And they've been able to stay out of the whole name problem mm -hmm. controversy as yes. a result of having done that. Yes. They don't have to defend JK. But they've also liberated themselves, yeah. you know, so that if they go get training somewhere else and they find other things are more effective and they add that to their toolkit, that, um, you know, they're liberated and free to do so. Yes. Yes. Um, but, you know, my opinion isn't precious. Right. When, I, when I give my opinion, if you want to disagree with it, you can. I did a video on this uh, last year. Yes, great video. Got, got some very angry responses. Which is crazy yeah. because you give a very measured, in, uh, I think you probably gave one of the most balanced takes mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. It's just that obviously if people are from a certain line of JKD, they're going to hear certain things as a criticism rather than just listening to what you have to say mm -hmm. on its own merits. And I think that that video that you did is probably one of the most even-handed takes on the whole original JKD versus JKD concepts question ever done in a way that I don't think either adherents from either side would be able to speak so, mm, I'm going to say relatively unbiased on the topic because right. you just kind of say it as it is. I think, would, would, would you agree that because Bruce wrote so much or Bruce had so many notes Mm -hmm. that um, it's easy to kind of quote mine Bruce Lee to find, if you want to say that JKD should be just what he did mm -hmm. and don't add a bunch of other stuff and call it JKD, you can find quotes to justify that in his notes. If you want it to be a continuing process where everything can be JKD, you can also quote mine it and find those, and that might mm -hmm. be a part of the problem. Well, right? you know, what's really fascinating is Bruce Lee... I find a lot of parallels between Bruce Lee and the historical Jesus. Uh-huh. Right? You think about it. They both died about the same age. Yes. Around 32 years of age. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, they both created a belief system, and they had a small group of followers, followers apostles. Right. right. We call them the original Bruce Lee students uh -huh. uh, today for, for Bruce Lee, but they're essentially the apostles. Right. And they've gone out, and they've, with differing levels of experience and gone out and preached the word to right. people with varying perspectives on what they experienced with right. Bruce Lee, just like the apostles did with Jesus. Right. Right. Um, again, the historical Jesus. Uh, but um, it's, it's, I find amazing parallels there. And I think looking at Bruce Lee and the way that thing has evolved might actually tell us something about early Christianity. Sure, yeah, no, that is very interesting. Yeah, to take a modern day examples that parallel mm -hmm. what happened in those ancient times, you can see these things happening mm -hmm. in, in real time. But, yeah. but think about this, you know, uh, this is a comparison I've made before. What if uh, Gichin Funakoshi had died and the only surviving students that he had were you know, some, some yellow belts, some green belts, yes. uh, maybe one or two brown belts. And they went out and promoted what is Shotokan, right? Right. Right. They don't have a complete understanding of it. They haven't achieved mastery of it. And that's the same with Bruce's original students. Interesting. You know, none of them had achieved what Bruce called absolute mastery of his right. art. Right. Right. You know, uh, the closest, you know, Taki and, and Dan, yeah. you know, who are, and James Lee were made instructors. Right. That would certainly suggest that he had the most confidence in them, in his art. But they were still learners right up until the time that Bruce died. Sure. Interesting. Interesting. Um, 
Yeah. So. Yeah. You had also mentioned kind of on this topic, we talked a little bit about this on the last uh, uh, interview that we did, but, um, and you mentioned it in the JKD video, but I think it bears repeating the, the difference between an open and closed system. Yes. And, and what your take on that as far as, you know, as someone who's looking at Bruce's notes on a regular basis, what you think? Well, you know, I took the, when I look at things, I look at them from the lens, through the lens of a social scientist. Okay, and in social science, we have these things called open and closed systems. Uh, closed systems are fixed. Uh, there's, there's no change from without. And open systems, they have that ability to be adapted to change. Um, and my argument was that when Bruce died, his system became a closed system. Because again, only he could make those adaptions and changes. Right. I don't believe that he would have wanted anyone else to suggest what is JKD. Certainly. At the same time, he's talking out of both sides of the mouth. Right. right. He's talking about right. it being non-fixed. They haven't created another style. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that, let's be honest, if you can look at someone and go, that's a JKD person just by the way they perform. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There is a style to it. Yeah. It yeah. is Someone's stylistic. got that right lead with that guard and the way they move. If, you're like, if, JKD if you can look at that person and go, that person's a JKD practitioner. Yeah. Just by the way they move, they, they react, then there are some things that are fixed. Sure, sure. Right? So even in his lifetime, there were some things that were fixed. Right, right. So do you, do you feel that he was trying to have his cake and eat it too as far as that goes? Yes, but, and of course, you, you've got some experience in, in Eastern philosophy too. It's not uncommon in the Eastern approach to philosophy for there to be that kind of contradiction. Yeah, right, right. In the Western mind, it's very cut and dried. It's yes yes or no. It's got to be very clear. In the Eastern mind, there's that constant duality. Right, right. Acceptance of contradictions over Western mind, where we're trying to uh, find the solution to the contradiction. Where does the contradiction lie? Which way way should we go with this? What's the, the best method? But... Yeah, there definitely is an idea in, in a lot of Asian philosophy about accepting that kind of ambiguity in certain things. But it does make it a bit frustrating when you go, okay, so is Jeet Kune Do a style that should still be practiced under that name or the aegis of Jeet Kune Do? Or, you know, is appending the word concepts at the end enough to say, well, okay, this is something else or this is an evolution? And then why even use it to begin with? I think you made an interesting point about... Bruce talking about out of both sides of his mouth because, you know, he talks about what JKD is. Mm -hmm. And then he says in, you know, a few lines later, you know, don't fuss over the name. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, which it seems interesting after he spent a lot of time fussing about the name. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and let's be honest, if, you know, at that time, someone had, you know, started promoting Jeet Kune Do, their own version of Jeet Kune Do, you right. know, keeping with his philosophy. You know, I have not created another style. There are no fixed positions. Mm-hmm. It's, it's open for a constant growth. Mm-hmm. If someone had set up shop in L.A., you know, saying, you know, I took some classes from Bruce, and I'm taking his philosophy, and I'm going my own direction with it, and it's right. Jeet Kune Do, you know he would have shown up. Yes. He yes. would have shown up at their yes. school and yes. shut it down. Yeah. You, right? no, what you you're doing is not Jeet Kune Do. Yeah, yeah. You make a very good point because he really didn't have that issue because mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't a real prolific instructor with tons mm-hmm. of students and like yeah. opening all these extra branches. But it would have been interesting to see. Yeah. His, his instruction, I, I think he was a begrudging 
instructor, to be honest. Yeah. I, uh, I think he was more interested in his own self-development and his students were his vehicle yes. for that. Yes, you know, yes. there, his vehicle in the sense that he tried things out on them, but his vehicle also in the sense that they, they paid. Right. Right? So they, they gave him income. Yes. But Joe Hyams once told me, uh, the Hollywood writer, Zen, yeah, Zen, Zen in the Martial Arts. Martial Arts. Yeah. yeah, we've all read that Joe book. Hyams, I talked to him one time, and he told me, that um, Bruce was monkey see, monkey do, that he wasn't a very good teacher. Yeah. And I think it's because he really didn't have patience for it. Right, you know? right. You need to get it quick because yeah. I get it quick. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I also asked uh, Steve Golden a little bit, like, you mm -hmm. know, because I think when people have access to a Bruce Lee student, they always go like, oh, what was Bruce Lee like? Was he really that good or whatever? And I, mm -hmm. I always ask questions like, how did he structure a class? So like when you showed up and Bruce Lee was mm -hmm. teaching, like what was a regular class like? Because as a martial arts instructor, that's interesting to me. And secondly, I don't need to ask Steve Golden, like, oh, was Bruce Lee really that good? That's not an, in the answer is not gonna give me any insight. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how did he structure the class? And um, what he told me was really interesting. It was like, it was kind of haphazard, you know? It's mm -hmm. like Monday you do this, Wednesday it's something. It's like whatever he comes in feeling like he wants to do that day, <clears throat> that's kind of what you do. It's very stream of consciousness. And he said that, you know, sometimes they would be working back and forth on some drill, like maybe a stop kick or something like that. And Bruce would come by and he's like, no, 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 no. Uh, you need to do like, you know, more flow, more flow, where he would have some like kind of somewhat ambiguous complaint and then he would walk away. You know what? I, I have a suspicion I've had for a while now. Mm -hmm. Uh, that Bruce probably had ADHD. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Even even in his youth, you know, his family nicknamed yeah. him what, Mositong. 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 Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 never sit still. Yeah, never sit still, yeah. Um, that's an indication that he might have had some hyperactivity. Yes, for uh, sure. And, um, you know, not a surprise that he would be impulsive and get into trouble. Yep. Right? right. Those are ADHD characteristics. Yeah, constant um, theme in his life. You know, until the very end. Constantly going around doing it. He just happened to get himself into a field where that worked to his benefit in a way. Right, right. Right? Um, you know, some ADHD people, they they thrive in certain areas, you know, like a dancer. Right. You know, because constant movement. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I would not be surprised if Bruce Lee was undiagnosed ADHD. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I, I agree that... I think he was using his students as a springboard for self-development, much more so than worrying about their particular attributes. When you look at the selection of students he picked in Seattle, these were all bangers, former judo guys, boxer guys. He wanted to see what he could do against these guys. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, as a student, was clearly a test to see what do you even do against someone like this. Yes. Um, and when you even watch some of the backyard footage with uh, James Coburn, uh, and you see he's like, you know, yeah, no, no, I want you to come and move. And he's standing there and he's doing the kick. And you see as, as James comes towards him, like every time Bruce is waiting a little longer to see if he can avoid that kick a little. So he's on the surface teaching uh, James the running <clears throat> sidekick. But you see he's standing there and he'll move his head when that kick comes and he'll move his body out there. So it's almost like he's trying to make this guy better so he can almost be a better partner for Bruce to get better at his own reaction. Someone with that kind of length, how does he measure the sidekick and stuff? And you can see Bruce kind of working his timing and everything like that while he's quote unquote teaching, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I see there's like a lot of like kind of working on his own thing there as well. and he wouldn't have had a good example from his time in Hong Kong. I mean, the way martial arts are taught in Hong Kong is also 
somewhat haphazard and very stream of consciousness and you basically do whatever Sifu feels like doing that day. So I think his own martial arts training was not extremely structured because that's not really the way they did it back then. Mm -hmm. So I think he didn't have an example and he potentially could have ADHD, like you said. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, like all of those things make perfect sense when you hear how he taught and what he was like in the class and, 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 and all that stuff. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay, so in addition to the online uh, resource, you also talked about making a companion book. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I just recently decided this, this past week. Uh, I'm going to create a companion book. It's going to be the Bruce, Library of Bruce Lee, a reference guide. Oh, nice. It'll basically have all that information in there, uh, but in a physical book that someone can put up on the shelves. Sure. I, I know as a you know, as admirer Bruce Lee and as a bibliophile, I like to have something handy that I can just, you know, pull down and open up yes. and look at what I need to look at. Yes, so, yes. So I'll have that list available, organized by subject. Oh, that's amazing. Um, you know, for people who want to have it that way. Right. Yeah, yeah, all the digital stuff is great, but there's just nothing like a good <clears throat> book in your hand, right? It just yes. looks good on the shelf. You can grab it. You can make notes. It's yours. It's like, I think... No matter how much digital media improves, I think that there's still there's still nothing like an actual book in your hand. So I've got that. I've got that academic paper that I'm working on. Um, my next book in, I guess you would call it the series that I'm doing, will be a book similar to Who, Who Wrote the Tao, but it's going to be on uh, commentaries on the Marshall Way. Okay. Jikundo commentaries on the Marshall Way. So that'll be the next one. Sourcing that, that stuff. Sourcing that stuff. Wow, wow, yeah. that's quite an ambitious project. And um, you know, after we're after we're offline, I'm going to show you. I actually brought my laptop. I'm going to show you the list. Wow. Of the quotes that I've accumulated so far. Wow, awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, hey, Dr. James Bishop, this was amazing. It was great to finally meet you face to face. Yeah. See you here. Have you in the studio? Thank you so much for coming. I hope you enjoy the rest of your trip here to New York. I hope nothing crazy happens, like the sky turns orange again like it did last week. Hopefully not. So uh, it was great to see you. And uh, yeah, can't wait for this to come out. Thanks for coming. All right. Thank you. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius. Hit that bell for notifications. And if you have any questions for me to answer on a future episode, go ahead and write those in the comments below. And as always, I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a kung fu genius Technique speaks for me, not lineage Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seagung And I produce masters, you surpassed us Your kung fu stiffer than corpse and caskets City Wing Chung is the house I built Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt Alex Richter, always the victor uh, I'm gonna record the intro and outro like we usually do that at the end mm -hmm. of the episode and we know what we talked about So it makes it seem like we know what we're doing. I think that's the uh, the guy fixing the intercom I'll just take a short break. Hold on. Yeah, that's why we have an editor <laughs> Hopefully there are no sirens no one getting shot outside <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting um, how you do that now. Um, does this stuff go through peer review or Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs>